Welcome to the National Civic Council's podcast, A Stronger Australia. The National Civic Council has advocated for the Australian people since its founding by Bob Santa Maria in the early 1940s. Today, it advocates for an economically and culturally strong Australia, which protects the vulnerable and supports the family as the cornerstone of society. During our podcast, we hear from a wide variety of speakers and experts on how to create a better Australia. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to News Weekly and NCC Podcasts, March 15, 2022. I'm Pat Byrne, President of the National Civic Council, and I'm here with Peter Westmore in the third of our briefings on Putin's invasion of Ukraine. Peter, Russia recently attacked a Ukrainian military base just 25 kilometres from the border with Poland. Do you think this precedes a Russian attack on Poland or, or other NATO nations? Good question, Pat. And the answer really is that we don't know. Um, because um, firstly, you cannot believe anything that Putin says. He promised that he wasn't going to attack Ukraine, and of course he attacked it from three different directions. So it's just very difficult to quite know whether this is just an attempt to cut off the supply of equipment from the West to the Ukrainian forces, and this base apparently has been a transit point, or is it the opening up of a wider, of a, a wider war? Um, it's at this stage quite unclear, and only time will tell which, uh, which of those two alternatives is what Putin has in mind. Is it possible for cities currently besieged, <coughs> such as Mariupol, to remain in Ukrainian government hands? Um, it's, it's very difficult to know, Pat, because um, the interesting thing to me is that this um, invasion of Ukraine has now been going on for three weeks. Russia has had total air superiority and it's been able to land or to invade from a number of different directions and yet not a single significant city in Ukraine has fallen, even though cities such as Kharkiv and Mariupol and even the capital Kyiv are quite close to the to the Russian border. So um, can they hold out? Well, I don't know the answer to that. Certainly the Ukrainian forces in Mariupol seem to have been cut off and that means that they would not be able to be resupplied with food or weapons. Um, and I think if that's the case, then presumably there comes a time when their, their supplies will simply run out. But it is extraordinary, I think, um, not so much that as to whether cities like Mariupol could be conquered, but rather that the Ukrainians have been able to hold out against overwhelming odds now for three weeks. Is Russia's aim to control all of Ukraine or secure the Black Sea coast, then cut it off from the rest of the country? It's very difficult to know, Pat, because um, both those explanations are consistent with what we have actually, what we've seen happening in the field. Um, certainly Putin has 
before he invaded, made a, a very important speech in which he denied that Ukraine was a country and he denied that there were any such people as Ukrainians. In other words, he's saying they're Russians. Now, that very strongly suggests to me that he has the aim of capturing Kyiv and all of Ukraine and simply incorporating it into Russia. But that's not the only explanation, I concede. Uh, certainly it's true that the military force that he used from Crimea, which Russia annexed in 2014, has actually operated along the Black Sea coasts with a view to cutting off the whole of that coastal strip from the rest of Ukraine. Uh, now, that makes good strategic sense anyhow, and that's one reason why they've been able to surround Mariupol, because that city is in the southeast of Ukraine and on, on the Black Sea. So, yes, look, the probability is Putin is wanting to do both things. Is there any sign that Russia's attack on Ukraine has reached a stalemate? Uh, again, Pat, you keep asking me difficult <laughs> questions. Um, what we can say is that Russia's attack has continued. And reading some reports this morning, US intelligence believes that Putin is extremely angry and frustrated at the failure of the Russian attack. He thought he would capture Ukraine within a matter of days. Uh, and what's happened is we're now three weeks into it and he hasn't captured one major city in Ukraine. And Ukraine has a population of 40 million people. So it's a country with a, a number of large cities. Um, what we can say is that the attempt to seize control of the biggest cities Kyiv and Kharkiv, both of which are quite close to the Russian border, have to the present time um, reached a stalemate. But Russia still seems to be advancing from the south and therefore seems to be sort of in a position to be able to continue to put pressure on all the cities of Ukraine. But certainly this attack has on Ukraine has not gone the way that Putin envisaged that it would. And in fact, there are some signs American intelligence believe that Putin's response to what's happened there is actually likely to be a ratcheting up of Russian attacks, including attacks on um, civilian targets in an effort to basically destroy and terrorise the Ukrainians into submission. Has Russia asked China for military and economic assistance to win its war in Ukraine? And if so, what can the West do about it? Well, Western intelligence reports that Russia has asked uh, for uh, support from China. It's not quite clear what support has been requested, but we do know that at the time of the Winter Olympics in Beijing that Putin visited China and signed with the president of China, Xi Jinping, signed an agreement, a cooperation agreement with China at that time. And given 
that Putin clearly had discussed the war, his, his forthcoming war in Ukraine, it stands to reason that he would have included in that a promise of cooperation and support. China, for its part, has said that it's not going to supply military weapons to Russia. Personally, I don't think there'd be any need for them to do that. Russia already has um, ample supplies of both manpower and of weapons for their military operations. But I do think China could play a very important role in helping Russia to escape sanctions, to open up possible markets for Russian exports, including for oil and gas, uh, and, and in that way helping Russia to escape the effect of sanctions. The Americans, for their part, have said that if China does that, then China itself will face sanctions. Uh, this is a, a really complicated situation, Pat, and I just am not sure whether we will ever know the, the full extent of the cooperation between Russia and China. Is there any prospect of peace talks between Russia and Ukraine, or will Putin just use it as time to regroup his military? Um, it's, it's, again, a, a good question, Pat. There have been several rounds of talks uh, between Ukrainian officials and Russians. As of now, those talks have gone nowhere because the Ukrainians rightly have said that their condition for talks is that Russia fully withdraws from Ukraine. Uh, and that means the armies go back and also they have said that Russia must abandon its claims to Crimea and to the Donbass region, which is over in the eastern part of Ukraine, and which Russia, see, Russia, through its proxies, took control of in 2014. Um, what seems to be happening now, I think, is that uh, Russia is being forced to at least talk to Ukraine, but it is entirely possible that the only reason why Russia is talking to Ukraine is to get more time so that it can amass more forces for its attacks on the big cities of uh, Mariupol firstly, but the bigger ones of Kharkiv and Kyiv. Russia is hugely dependent on exports of oil, coal and gas. Andrei uh, Kobylov, head of the Ukraine's energy firm Gas, Naftogas has said that Putin has always believed Europe can never survive without Russian oil. Putin thinks that if he wins Ukraine, the Kremlin will be forgiven because there is no alternative and the West is weak. This is how Putin sees the world. This is why he personally controls the energy trade. It's his sacred cow, said, Andre, said Kobylov. In Germany and Europe, can, if Germany and Europe can quickly end their dependence on Russian oil and coal and reduce reliance on gas, could the unprecedented level of sanctions so damage Russia as to either force Russia to halt the aggression or bring down Putin internally? Uh, again, Pat, there are several questions in that and they're difficult ones for us 
located a long way away from Ukraine and even from Europe to be able to properly answer them. The first point that should should be made is my agreement with the Ukrainian government official, and that is that oil and gas exports are vital to Putin's control of the Russian economy. And in fact, they have allowed Russia to build up to amass huge foreign exchange reserves of hundreds of billions of dollars because Western Europe is at the present time overwhelmingly dependent upon the import of gas and secondarily oil from Russia. Now, I think Putin has not only looked at the fact that Europe has is inc- allowed its dependence on uh, oil and gas from Russia to increase over recent years, but he would also be looking at the United States and he would have looked at Biden's abandonment of Afghanistan and seen that America is weak. Biden is weak. And therefore, this is the time to push on Ukraine. And I think all those factors would be at play here. Um, I'm not sure, by the way, that sanctions will necessarily stop, um, certainly by themselves, won't stop Putin's war in Ukraine. Because China and some other countries, including Iran, maybe even India, want to continue to trade with Russia. And if they continue to take Russian exports, and that includes of oil and gas, then I think that the attempt in the West to use sanctions as a method of bringing Putin to the negotiating table, I think is probably optimistic. But it will hurt Putin, and it will certainly let the Russian people know that there is a huge price that they are going to have to pay for Putin's war. And I should say here, I think the Russian people, thousands of them, who have protested on the streets of Moscow and St. Petersburg and other cities have been incredibly brave to do so. Should be added here, Pat, that I've read that 500 Russian Orthodox priests have signed a petition to the Patriarch, Patriarch Kirill in Moscow, opposing the support that the Russian Orthodox Church has officially given to the invasion. I think that's quite significant as well. And they are very brave people to have spoken out. Um, In the end, I think that the war will only be settled if Putin is really sort of forced to a stalemate in Ukraine and or if the West accepts what the Ukrainian President Zelensky has asked for, and that is for the imposition of a no-fly zone over Ukraine, so that Russia is not able to attack the Ukrainian forces with impunity, as they are at the moment. What can Western nations, including NATO, do to support Ukraine now? Well, I think the first part of it is to continue the supply of not only military support, but actually civilian support. Ukraine's economy, as a result of this invasion, will have ground to a standstill. 
and therefore they will need not only military supplies, um, that is of anti-tank missiles and anti-aircraft missiles and so on, but they will actually be needing food, clothing and all the other necessities of life. And I think we have to always keep in mind there are now 40 million people in Ukraine who are going to be dependent upon the support from outside. So I think that's a very important part of it. But at the end of the day, Pat, I still think that the supply of anti-aircraft weapons and anti-tank missiles and, and that type of military support is not sufficient. Um, I think the Ukrainians have been saying now for the best part of two weeks that we need to impose a no-fly zone over Ukraine. And if they say this is necessary for them, then I think we should listen to them and not be blackmailed, as Putin is blackmailing us, with the threat of nuclear war. A no-fly zone can be administered without, in my view, the threat of a nuclear war. Uh, most of it actually can be done from Poland by telling the Russians that their aircraft, their missiles, um, even their ground forces in Ukraine can be attacked from Poland or from other countries. And surface-to-surface -surface missiles from Poland or from, uh, or from uh, other NATO countries in the West um, would certainly be able to attack the military forces that Russia has placed in Ukraine. And I think that there are, there are a number of different options there, but there is certainly the possibility of being able to assist in a way that would make a difference to this war and therefore present, prevent an enormous amount of suffering. Peter Westmore, thank you very much for your time. Thanks very much again, Pat. Pleased to be here. And so to you all, tune in next week for the next in our series of briefings on Putin's war on Ukraine, which puts us in a very dangerous time of history. Thank you for listening to the National Civic Council's podcast, A Stronger Australia. The National Civic Council is a non-party political movement which seeks to build a strong and prosperous nation. Through our policy, research and advocacy, we stand up against the greatest threats to the family and the Australian way of life. The NCC also produces the fortnightly magazine News Weekly, which covers all topics relating to a stronger Australia. Subscribe at ncc.org.au forward slash newsweekly. We look forward to joining you for our next episode. Thank you for listening.